This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. September 15th, that means one thing and one thing only. Happy birthday, Dan Marino. Welcome into Finsider Radio, SB Nation's home for all content that is the Miami Dolphins. This is the Jake and Josh Show. I am Jake Mendel. That must mean my calculations are correct. That Joining me as he does each and every show, that's Joshua Houts. Josh, how you doing today? Jake, that was a perfect segue, not segue like the thing you ride around on. I found that out the hard way, but that was perfect, Jake. Great intro. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly doing pretty terrible. I spent three hours, like I told you, waiting for my car to get inspected. They changed the tires, so I waited three to four hours for that, came home, put the kid to bed, and now we're talking Dolphins football. So my day's getting better, but uh, it's been a pretty rough morning. How have you been, man? You know, I'm good. I'm good. It's kind of weird where... I go to cover sporting events now, and if it's a game at night, I always think I'm going to be too cold. And if it's a game during the day, I think it would be too hot, and I'm always wrong. So I'm just kind of having a uh, clothing crisis. I don't know if that's something you deal with as we adjust from summer to fall, uh, but it is miserable. Outside of that, you know, we're, we're muscling on through, Josh. We got some we got some news to talk about here. Um, first and foremost, one thing we thought the Dolphins were going to do a lot this season is have the Titans be uh, very much involved with everything they're trying to do. And Adam Shaheen is back. He is activated off the COVID-19 list. And Josh, some other news. Raquan Davis, he was put on injury reserve. So let's start with Adam Shaheen. Uh, kind of tell me what him coming back means to this football team and how he kind of impacts what they can do offensively. Yeah, I know Adam Shaheen's kind of been a lightning rod with this fan base. And, you know, a lot of people kind of downplay what he meant. But we saw in preseason, you know, we saw it throughout training camp. Well, at least we heard about it. You know, he's been that red zone monster. And, you know, one of the things that we saw last week was that Mike Kosicki's not very good at blocking. I mean, that's a newsflash. We all knew that Adam Gase is the only human that didn't know that. But um, I think what they're getting with Adam Shaheen is a guy that can be that red zone threat, but also a guy that can go out there and, you know, help in the run game, help protect the quarterback, which we saw was a huge need last week. So um, it's a little bit concerning. Concerning for us who might have Mike Kosicki in our fantasy rosters, you know, as for some of those guys that just want to see Mike Kosicki go out there and light the world on fire, because I do think we're going to see a lot more Adam Shaheen and that might take reps away from Mike Kosicki and some of those other guys. So again, this is a guy who a lot of people were kind of down on. I'm kind of excited to see what he can do this week in a game that the Dolphins, I don't want to say must win, but they got to, they got to, they got to find a way to beat the Buffalo Bills because Josh Allen's what five and one now five and oh, I don't know what it is, but it's absurd. Yeah, Josh, I think he's five and one. 
And two, when you when you think about the how the Dolphins are going to kind of present this matchup when you at the tight end position, we kind of at least I did dove into the you know the snap counts for every player and tried to take a few things away. But it seems like especially with the tight ends, I mean the game plan isn't going to change. Maybe not every other week, but kind of maybe uh, quarters of the season. Maybe early on, it's going to be a lot of those heavy sets with, I mean, it's something we didn't talk about that blew my mind. I mean, Stephen Carter is someone I saw out there all the time. I thought to myself, who on earth is number 82? I mean, that just, that goes to he show. He thought it was Hartline, right? You thought it was Brian it Hartline. Must have been. <laughs> He's not catching passes in the red zone, so it must be Brian Hartline. Yeah, and I, I, but, I, I don't want to say this about Stephen Carter, you know, pat ourselves on the back, but I remember us talking about it and someone brought it up on Twitter. You know, are they going to use him like a Jonu Smith? Are we going to see some of those end arounds and some of that motion? I mean, it did look like they were setting it up there. So um, I think this is another testament to George Godsey. Again, we can't overlook that he's this tight end guy. And just the way they've been utilized, you know, over the last few years is just impressive. And again, I think Adam Sheen's going to be a little bit of a difference maker. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, he completely changes this game, but I think we're going to notice him for sure. <laughs> yeah, especially when you can go from packages that feature, let's say, Albert Wilson, uh, Jalen Waddell, uh, Salvan Ahmed out there, and then all of a sudden you come in with Shaheen, Parker, and Gusecki uh, the next play. I mean, it, it's hard for defenses to keep up with that. It's so easy to get someone lost in the motion, and that's how you get those tight ends all alone in the end zone. Uh, but, Josh, I do think this is kind of the biggest news of the week. I don't think – not necessarily kind of. I think this is the biggest news of the week, and that's that Raekwon Davis is going to miss some time. He was put on injured reserve. That means he's going to miss at least – three games josh it happened early in the game uh but i mean it's hard not to notice what davis is doing in the middle at defense uh based on his size alone yeah and I, I mean shame on me i think i said the dolphins run defense i mean we talked about it we said it was bad last week i don't know if it really was when you went back and looked at it. you know they played pretty well for given the situation but you definitely notice when raekwon davis isn't in the lineup so i think this might spell more for uh john jank and jingleheimer smith or you know maybe we even get to see zach sealer in there because i don't know about you jake but one of the things that stood out to me and you have written down here zach sealer played 37 percent of the snaps um, and I believe Adam Butler, what, 64%. So he was getting out snapped by Adam Butler. Again, that's a guy that the Dolphins, one of the few people the Dolphins signed to a two-year deal. So, you know, I think that's an upgrade over Devon Godshaw. But I want to see more of Zach Sealer now that, you know, Raekwon Davis is out of the lineup. But you're right, man. Besides from that wide receiver the Dolphins are going to get back that we'll talk about in a little bit, this Raekwon Davis news was definitely a gut punch. And when you saw him sitting on the – you stand on the sideline, we heard the commentator say he was doing bull rushes and sprints. We thought maybe get out there. So um, it sucks yeah. he's on IR, but he only has to be on there for three weeks total, I think. So he could be back for the Tampa Bay Bucks game. We'll see how that goes. But that's definitely a huge loss for the Miami Dolphins defense. Yeah, Emmanuel Agba also played 64% of snaps. Christian Wilkins was just a hair below that, playing 56% of snaps. John Jenkins, he's the one who kind of came in and replaced a lot of what the Dolphins wanted out of Raquan Davis. He played roughly 50% of snaps, and the same thing was Sam McGuavin. So, Josh, I kind of want to ask, do we see this script changing in Week 2 when you're facing Josh Allen? Are you going to want the, the bigger guys like the John Jenkins and Adam Butler's in there, or are you going to try to make it work with the Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, and, and Agba? but trio where those guys I think are a little better than at getting to the quarterback compared to those guys who are stopping the run. So when the dolphins start looking at ahead to this game at Buffalo, we're going to have our full preview on Friday, but I I'm curious what you think, Josh, is it one of those scenarios where you want to make Allen throw or do you want to just get to him and do what you can to hopefully bring him down? 
Yeah, I, I didn't get to watch all of that Pittsburgh game. I actually had the eight boxes up, whatever channel that was on DirecTV. So I wasn't focused on that game, but you almost got to do what they did. I mean, I think they attacked Josh Allen pretty frequently. And I think the biggest thing and, you know, what scares me most about him, yes, he has this rocket launcher of an arm. He can throw it, you know, 100 yards downfield, but he's got those legs, Jake. And I mean, yeah. you look at EJ Manuel, we look at Geno Smith, Thad Lewis. I mean, you can say your name off a uh, mobile quarterback in the AFC East that's absolutely dismantled the Miami Dolphins. So um, I, I hate that I always bring up Jalen Phillips, but I mean, we saw him get what like 24 snaps last week I think you know you bring him in you let him kind of spy Josh Allen maybe try to apply that pressure on the outside I don't I don't know how you prepare for Josh Allen because you know I know a lot of Dolphin fans don't want to hear this but this dude's a top three quarterback right now in the NFL and you know the key to this game is absolutely getting in his head and rattling early and often you know Deion Jordan was the Gronk stopper that was kind of the the meme on, on Twitter it wasn't a meme everyone legitimately believed do, that do you Deion remember Jordan when he broke up do you remember when he broke up a pass from Calvin Johnson because I, I definitely oh had that gif and I just replayed it over and over because I thought it meant something and it, it, it meant nothing <laughs> but but can you see Jalen Phillips I did that that's kind of where I'm trying to go with this do you see Jalen Phillips kind of being that Josh Allen stopper uh because what what the Steelers did so successfully last week was just pressuring him, right? I mean, you look back and it had started with Cam Hayward who had 10 pressures on Josh Allen and they had four or excuse me, 19 total as a team, which is also what the Dolphins had against the Patriots. And I want to say that the Patriots offensive line is much better. And I also, we need to add in because nobody still wants to talk about this, that all of Mac Jones pass attempts it seems to me like every single one of them was set or at least most of them I can't say everyone because that's a little uh statistically inaccurate no matter what but it seemed a lot of the time he knew where he was throwing the ball before the snap was even uh delivered to him uh something that also stood out Josh was Andrew Van Ginkle he played 14 pass rushing snaps so he rushed the passer 14 times and had a team high four pressures uh, he ended up playing Josh. Andrew Van Ginkle played 53 snaps. So if he's only blitzing on 14 of those, I mean, that can't be in Miami's game plan to have Andrew Van Ginkle uh, covering line or covering running backs, covering tight ends all game, right? I mean, that had to have been something that Belichick schemed up and the Dolphins had to kind of work through, uh, you know, using Van Ginkle covering a little more than he was as a pass rusher. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I mean that was definitely that definitely sticks out. And you're right. I mean, if they want to have success, you know, getting to the quarterback, you need to have Andrew Van Ginkle, you know, rush the passer and do those things he's good at. I mean, I don't know why the Dolphins played a lot of zone there in that game against New England, but uh Andrew Van Ginkle gave up that touchdown to Nelson Aguilar. He looked a little bit lost. I mean, I don't know who you fought for that because it is zone, but you need to get Andrew Van Ginkle after the quarterback. Um, I think a lot of it was the way this game was game planned. And I think, again, it's going to be completely different this week, but I think the dolphins kind of knew they were going to come out here and try to run the ball, use those heavy sets and, and make Mac Jones go out there and, you know, just execute. And I, I hate that it's been this huge Mac Jones to a tongue of Aloha thing, but you know, lost and all that to a tongue of Aloha played well. I, I, you know, he made some mistakes, but Mac Jones, I mean, you, you have to tip your hat to him. Yes, it was all underneath. Right. But I mean, it like you said, it looked like he knew what the defense was throwing at him and exactly where he had to go with the football, no matter what looks were thrown at him. So, again, I think he's going to be a thorn in his side. But I think if the Dolphins want to get pressure, they got to do it. And Jake, I know Sam McGuavin and uh, Atlanta Roberts, they split reps together. But it, to, to me, it just seems like Atlanta Roberts is on another level almost. You know, he just looks so decisive and he knows what's going on in front of him. I'd like to see him get some more snaps because I think, you know, he could help. I mean, we saw him and Sam McGuavin, we saw what they can do with those stunts and things in the preseason. I think they can help immensely against a Josh Allen offense. 
exactly. Just need one of those guys get one of those big hits. And I think that would do wonders for what you're trying to do against Josh Adam and the bills. And another thing I think that's going to kind of be different in terms of game plan is I think the Patriots are a team that will play to its opponent's weaknesses, where I think the bills are going to be out here trying to play to their own strengths. I don't know. I don't really have any statistic to base this on, but I just kind of see that's where the game plan is going to go. I think the, uh, you know, the Bills are going to come in and try to do what they always do. The Dolphins air it out, find those weaknesses, and let Josh Allen buy enough time. So it really does bury back down to you get to the quarterback, you stop him, and you kind of clean up the game from there. Josh, the Dolphins have certainly struggled against the Bills for some time now, it certainly seems like. Uh, but like I said before, we're going to give our full preview to this weekend's game on Friday. So we're going to take a little break here. And on the other side, we're going to talk to Javon Holland, Michael Polardi, and Will Fuller. So stay tuned. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, Jake, and one of the focuses we really wanted to have on this podcast was to break down the All-22, but unfortunately, you know, I haven't got it yet. I got so it sent to me. Didn't get to dive into it as much as I wanted to. NFL Game Pass still isn't working. Jake, Javon Holland played absolutely out of this world. He was the highest-graded rookie by PFF with an 82.5 grade, the second highest on the team. We saw that forced fumble he had um, on Johnu Smith. But for me, Jake, you know, yes, he's that upgrade, at least I thought, over a Bobby McCain in coverage. You know, maybe not the, the verbal communication there, but I thought he had that better sideline to sideline, better in pass coverage. But what he brings mm-hmm. to the run defense is just, you know, immense. We saw him that Johnu Smith hit. We see him dropping down the box, and he just doesn't seem like the game's too big. He's not scared to get skinny and, and make those hits, which, you know, I hate to bring up Minka Fitzpatrick, but that was something that, you know, a lot of fans didn't quite like or, you know, he was a little bit upset about. So for me, Jake, I am excited to see what Javon Holland does. It says, you know, he was not targeted once on 16 coverage snaps. I just want to see more of him. I want to see more of him out there. I want to see more of the young Brandon Jones. I want to see what they can do. You know, we're talking about the run game and stopping Josh Allen. What can he do in that aspect? And then again, the coverage, I think he's already improving. So Javon Holland had a big week. I'm excited to see where he's going to move on from that. Josh, am I the only one who thinks it's like really crazy? And I don't think it's necessarily a coincidence. Like we played a rookie safety against the New England Patriots, his first game ever. And he was not targeted once. I mean, I feel like if you're trying to find something that just sounds completely off about this game, that's it. And that's where I kind of go back to, you know, the Patriots do what they were going to do pre-snap. I mean, most of the completions to Nick Needham, Xavier Howard, and Byron Jones, I, I, I think the Patriots were six of eight going at those guys, but it was for like 35 yards. So I think it just really goes back to that game plan. And it just, I just have a hard time believing that uh, J- Javon Holland isn't a guy that the Patriots wouldn't want to try. 
at least literally once. And that didn't seem to be the case. Yeah. And again, maybe that's just because they were trying to handcuff Mac Jones and didn't want him to go out there and make some of those mistakes. I mean, I'm, we're sitting here praising Javon Holland. We talked about how he wasn't targeted, but I think the Buffalo Bills, Brian DeBole and that Buffalo Bills offense, they're going to try to attack this secondary because for as good as an Xavier Howard is Byron Jones, uh, like you said, a little bit of that, those big plays came on some of those deeper passes against an Eric Rowe and some of those other guys. So huge test this week. Again, I think it's going to be a complete night and day from what we saw last week, but Javon Holland in game one wasn't targeted. Like you said, that is crazy from a Bill Belichick coach team. Yeah. And you see why, I mean, I think the biggest aspect of the 2021 draft, for the Miami Dolphins is they took the first defensive end and they took the first safety. They had their pick of the litter and those are the guys they chose. So to see how and perform this well, I mean, it is a great, uh, you know, encouraging sign this early in the season. Josh, one more thing I want to talk about here in the defensive backfield. I, a number that popped out to me was the fact that Justin Coleman played just two snaps after it seemed like he was the guy who won the starting job. I don't want to take anything against Nick Needham or take anything away from Nick Needham because I thought he was awesome. But do you have a feeling that maybe this was game plan too, where the Patriots who use a lot of those two tight end sets with Hunter Henry and John Smith, they might think Needham just simply works better as a slot when you have to cover those guys where Justin Coleman is going to be better as soon as you actually face an actual slot corner, those uh, a little bit smaller guys who have a little bit of more wiggle to them. That's a good question, Jake. And, um, you know, I, again, I wish I had the all 22 sooner could dive into that, but I mean, how much of this is just a, a testament to how little, you know, we should put into a Brian Flores depth chart. Yeah. Justin Coleman's up there. I don't even think Nick Needham's listed at a nickel spot, but I mean, again, we saw what type of asset he was in the preseason. We saw it this past weekend. So I, I don't really know, Jake. I, I think we all kind of thought Justin Coleman was going to have the inside track there. Probably going to see a lot more of him this week with Buffalo spreading the Dolphins out and trying to, to do those things. But um, that's definitely something that sticks out, especially when everyone wants to sit here and say Jalen Phillips is third on the depth chart. This is a big deal. You look at Justin Coleman. I mean, that's pr prime yeah. example. You're 100% right. Now, Josh, we're going to do it. I don't know if you want to do it. Can, can we talk punter just a, just a little bit? Can we talk about the punter? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I don't want to, but we can. <laughs> it just seems like special teams were just so used to that being such a sound unit for the Dolphins. And if there is any type of noise happening, it's usually a good thing for the Dolphins. And I'm not going to say Michael Polardi played poorly and it certainly seemed like he kicked with a purpose I mean that thing kind of was a rocket right off his foot uh, it didn't really get the height you're looking for it just kind of seemed to be like line drives like you're hitting for contact uh he had four punts with an average of 45 yards per which ranks 21 out of 23 possible punters in net yards after week one uh that's not great I wonder if the Dolphins won that position battle even a little more maybe you know we can get a little greedy and say maybe the Pats don't score a single touchdown or maybe one of those field goals comes off the board maybe Maybe the Dolphins start with better field position as a result of just kind of the movement uh, from one end of the field to the other. He had no punts instead of the 20 and just one touchback. So, Josh, did you see anything that stood out in terms of Polardi? It seemed like he does have that rocket line drive, but did you feel like he these numbers were kind of bad or am I kind of overreacting here? You're probably overreacting, but it's nice to at least have someone, you know, shed light on it because what we continued to hear was, you know, how they almost uh, upgraded the position. You know, Michael Plarty was Legatron almost, you know, he, he has those, he has a tendency to, to be one of the better punters in football. And I, I, like you said, I don't know that we saw it ranks 21 out of 23. So yes, I think they could have done much better in a position battle. And, you know, I, I joke, but Matt Hawk, you know, he, he plays for the bills this week. Is this a revenge game? He had a pump block last week against the Steelers. You love to see that, but um, I, the dolphins are going to know right away if they made a mistake because uh, Matt Hawk, you know, he brought a little bit of a different element than what we saw from Michael Pilardi, at least, at least at the quarterback position. 
a little bit of a surprise that I didn't talk about, and it's kind of an injustice we didn't talk about, and that's the fact that in Austin Jackson was activated off the COVID list before the game last week, but it was all Liam Eikenberg. He did a decent job considering it's his first game. Uh, Josh, is that the way it's going to be? Is Liam Eikenberg our starting left tackle now, or is Austin Jackson being back? Is he going to step right back in and maintain that starting role? Yeah, again, I don't want to put too much into the depth chart, but Austin Jackson was listed there at left tackle. I know a lot of Dolphin fans, we, we really don't want to do this. Happy birthday, Jesse Davis. I don't know if we said that at the top because it, it's Marino. So happy birthday, Jesse Davis. But I don't know about you, Jake. I mean, I think Jesse Davis. Gardner. Yeah, Nate Gardner. I, I mean, I, I like Jesse Davis. I think he's the perfect sixth man, but I, I don't understand, you know, if you're bringing Austin Jackson back at left tackle, you know, why doesn't Liam Eikenberg, where, where's he going to start? Because I feel like you traded up for him. We already saw, you know, I, I don't want to say it was an upgrade over Austin Jackson, because again, you know, it's way too early to say that. And I'm not an offensive line guru, but from the naked eye, I mean, Liam Eikenberg looked like the game was, wasn't too big for him. And he went out there and, you know, he kept to his he kept to a clean a little bit. So I, I don't know, man. I just, it seems crazy. Austin Jackson's immediately thrust it back there into the starting role. And Liam Eikenberg's now on the bench. And uh, again, that's not what you want for a guy you traded up for. I think it goes back to that Cam Newton thing where he was talking about the depth chart and playing in the preseason games compared to what's actually happening in practice. I really wouldn't be surprised, Josh, if we have Liam Eikenberg go back out there next Sunday. And this whole time the Bills are thinking, all right, we're going to attack Austin Jackson. He's back this week. Um, I think that could be a direction we're headed here for the Miami Dolphins. I'd prefer to see if Austin Jackson can win that job back. But if you can't do that all throughout camp, if you can't show enough positive signs for the preseason I mean all this stuff matters here Josh so I mean it can't you can't really be risking things and and testing things out as much as you would really like to in that scenario Josh how many games do you see Liam Eikenberg starting say he starts the next two or three games in a row um completely ignore how well he plays all right when are we biting the bullet that maybe the Austin Jackson pick wasn't a good idea Ooh, I mean, people might kill me for this, but I, I think you're kind of already a little worried, right? You're a little hesitant that, you know, worried, maybe, 100%. Yeah, I mean, because that, off, that offensive line class was just awesome. And the Dolphins had all the capital. They could have went up there and got whoever they wanted. And they chose to sit back. They took Austin Jackson, I believe. Was that not the Steelers pick for Minka Fitzpatrick? I mean, when yes. you think about Minka Fitzpatrick for Austin Jackson, that has to be one of the biggest punch in the nuts ever. And um, Jake, you know, we can't overlook that, you know, Brian Flores will be the first person to say, you know, you start the best five. But if Austin Jackson, you know, you mentioned Lee Mike if Austin Jackson starts and he struggles, they'll probably make a switch pretty damn quick to Liam Eikenberg. And, you know, yeah. that's something that some of these other teams might not do. But at the same time, Jake, you know, I don't want to panic on Austin Jackson. But do you think that this coaching staff, you know, they realize where they drafted him? They realize, you know, they already invested him. Is that kind of the reason they're protecting him? And maybe that's the reason he's already back in the starting lineup? Or do you think this coaching staff truly believes that he's an upgrade over Liam Eikenberg, which, again, I don't know if that's true. One thing that's for certain, Josh, is I don't think this team protects players. And I do, the more we talk about this, I don't think Austin Jackson will be the starter on Sunday. I legitimately think that it might be just Liam Eikenberg walking back out there. I can't wait for someone to clip this and send it back to me when Austin Jackson is the starter, but that is where I'm starting to feel because I don't know if you can plug him back in, especially with how well Eikenberg played. And it's been clear, Josh, that no matter what the Dolphins are doing, the best players are going to be out there. If you need to get a quarterback sneak, you use the taller quarterback. You're paying him, use him, that type of scenario. Uh, and when you go to that, Josh, where would Austin Jackson fit? And let's say Liam Eikenberg takes over at that left tackle job. Does Jackson just become maybe a career uh, based on where he's Jesse Davis? Career? <laughs> he he got, well, no, Jesse <laughs> Davis can play all over the field. I was wondering, can Jackson yeah. play all over? I mean, it seems like he's kind of stuck as a left tackle from what I've read. 
Yeah. And uh, that's a good point. I think that that would be the biggest concern there is that Week now you're, one just, of the, you're just stuck <laughs> with the 18th, a sophomore season overreactions. Yeah. You're just stuck with the 18th overall pick being a, a backup tackle. But again, we're overreacting like crazy. Maybe, you know, maybe they give Liam Eikenberger a shot at left guard or, you know, but it's interesting to talk about. Yeah, it, sure. it is. And, you know, again, I don't think Brian Flores and his staff are going to play favorites and they will have the best five out there. Jake, moving on from the offensive line, the biggest news besides from the Raquan Davis injury is the Miami Dolphins got their $10 million man back. Will Fuller is active and on the 53-man roster. Again, the depth chart doesn't mean anything, but he, last week, Jakeem Grant was one of those starting receivers. This week, Will Fuller's back in the lineup. So, uh, Jake, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on Will Fuller being back and if we should expect a big day from him on Sunday against the Bills. Josh, when I first thought of the idea that Will Fuller is coming back, not necessarily that he's even been here, you know, we didn't play in the preseason or anything like that, is that I thought it would be like a cherry on the top. He's an additional piece to what the Dolphins already had. He's like a bonus. And then I kind of sat on that thought for a second and realized that is an absolute ridiculous thing to think. This is the fourth highest paid player on the team. This is a guy who is in a contract year who is looking to get absolutely paid. And if he has a strong season, I mean – we can argue that he's a top 10 wide receiver. Not right now. I, I know we cannot say that right now, but if he comes out and balls with the Dolphins, I mean, someone's going to pay a, a nice pretty penny for him. So I'm expecting him to be a really big part of this offense. I don't know where those snaps come from. I don't know if we can really use New England's game plan and say, well, we could have used Will Fuller here, here, and here, because I just don't think that's how the uh, script would have gone against the Patriots. But I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I think the Dolphins paid him as much as they did for a reason. I'm excited, man. Yeah, and I, I saw you getting a little bit of slack for that, but I mean, I think a lot of people, I don't want to say they undervalue what Will Fuller is, or maybe they just truly didn't pay attention to him last year in uh, Houston. But I mean, over the last two seasons I have here, Will Fuller caught 102 of 146 targets for 1,549 yards. That's 15.2 yards per catch and 11 touchdowns. I showed a video on Twitter, probably posted on the Finsider before, of those touchdowns in his five 100-yard games from last year. But Jake, I mean, when they lost DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, to me, that was a huge step down. I didn't know who was going to step up. And, you know, when you put on the tape, Will Fuller really does. I mean, he's got the speed there. His route running's out of this world. And uh, again, I don't know how quickly we'll see him, you know, make an impact because you, you said he, he just came in this offseason. I mean, all jokes aside, he barely even practiced. I mean, I think he was out there. Omar Kelly said he saw him practice one time before he was hurt. So um, you hope the injury is gone, but you hope that when the Dolphins sat there and they passed on some of these other guys, you know, a Kenny Galladay, a Curtis Samuel, a Corey Davis, they kind of had in mind what Will Fuller could do. And I think what he brings to this offense is a little bit different than what some of these other guys had, because I think his route running again and just his ability to, you know, quote unquote, potentially be a number one wide receiver is exciting. So I, I, you look at this receiving core, it looks like a video game. And you just hope that that offensive line can hold up and Tua Tungavaloa can go out there and execute because at this point, I mean, that's really all it comes down to is Tua going out there and making some of those throws because you can't make excuses about weapons anymore. You can't make excuses about separation. This offense is loaded. And if there's any team that the Dolphins have had over these last few years that can truly compete against the Buffalo Bills, you, you got to feel pretty damn good about this one. What a great segue to end the show, Josh. The Dolphins play the Bills this Sunday, and we will be back on Friday with a preview show, getting you ready, letting you know how crazy of a matchup this is going to be. So stay tuned for that. Best way to stay tuned for that is to hit that subscribe button, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your shows, please hit that. It does us a lot of good. Moving on to Twitter, Josh, we both have had rants over the last couple of days. You have every single Miami Dolphins highlight on your Twitter feed. If people want to thumb back through those, you can go to at H-O-U-T-Z or Houts. I can be found at 
jmendel94. I'm more of a morning tweeter. I'll get my rants out then. Uh, but come join, join the fun, join the conversation. Uh, it really kind of makes the season take another step up in, in enjoyment. So uh, come join along, have fun with that. And Josh, I mean, week two is on the horizon and the Dolphins, not a lot of people are talking about them, but we are. And that's what's important. It is. A lot of people aren't talking about them, but they should because they're one and know on top of the AFC East. And, you know, if they can somehow pull out this victory this weekend, no, sorry, when they pull out the, this victory this weekend, they will be 2-0 and and the Buffalo Bills will be buried. So, like Jake said, follow us on Twitter. If there's anything you want to tell us, please hit us up on Twitter. Our DMs are always open. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Finsider Radio Podcast, the official Miami Dolphins podcast of SB Nation. I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. Finsider Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami.